Welcome to episode four of the Suburban Canine Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about how to do dog introductions. So this should be a lot of fun. There's a lot to talk about here. I think we're going to open with one of our favorite games called Stump the Trainer, and then we'll also do 60-second solutions at the end. You know, first, though, Nelson, I want we need to just flag for the audience how ridiculous Alex is. So we had already told him his his computer, his video looks so much better than ours, right? And Nelson, do you agree oh, that yeah. that happened already? For sure. yeah. yeah. And so what did Alex do after he heard his was better? He goes out and gets a four a better 4K camera. And he's like, hey, good news, guys. I got a better camera. Good and it's news. Just like, You'll never catch up now. <laughs> right. It's like you already were showing off constantly, and then you just have to do more. It's like, it wasn't, where, it's, where do you draw it's the It's not even better. It just, it worked. <laughs> what? My, look it's not at better. Episode, it just looks better. If you go better. to episode two, there's <laughs> artifacting in my video, my... My Pixel 7 Pro dropped the ball. I don't know why. And it's I was testing it again. It was still doing it. So I, I wanted to bring crystal clarity to our viewers. I don't. I guess to me, it's like when someone already has a six pack and they're like, oh, yeah, I'm cutting out carbs. Go for the eight so pack. my six pack can get even better. <laughs> like, okay, enough's enough, right? Like, you have to draw the line somewhere. So. Now I feel like Nelson and I probably look even worse by comparison. Probably. Oh, I mean, that's that's really the goal. I, that's what I was going <laughs> Mission accomplished. All right. Well, why don't we jump into Stump the Trainer? It's going to be fun today. So I think we've made some big changes, and it'll be good for you guys that are listening and not uh, watching because there's not going to be a visual component today. So, Alex, you want to get us rolling? Yeah, we got smarter this time. Uh, <laughs> decided to show some love to the people listening not just on youtube so uh we have some barks to start off with instead of visual we'll go audio so our we're going head to head or it's going to be head to head and you guys are holding up cards and then you'll obviously read it off for our people right okay so when we hear the bark we're going to write down what we think and then when you're ready then you'll show and say your uh say your guess got it all righty our first stump the trainer dog Okay, I've got my guess. I have Nelson. my guess. Alrighty. Let's see. I went with Kane Corso. I went with Great Dane. Now, hear me out on this because I figured. If he's right, if he's right, I'm literally going to smash. Neither of you. I was going to say. I right. figured Great Dane like was <laughs> already used, so it probably couldn't be one. But that's what it sounds like to me, man. I'm feeling way okay. better. I I felt like the failure. So, we know it's a big time. dog. Mm-hmm. We're at least we're comfortable on that. We know it's not a Cane Corso or a Dane. Okay, so now what happens? Now we get now clues? you get clues. Okay. Okay. Uh, first clue. Loyalty. The this breed is extremely loyal and affectionate Jumper to Shepherd. their family. Well, oh, he just we said he, he jumped it. Okay. He said German Shepherd. I guess he can just say it, Covey, if he wants. I said Rot. Covey is correct. It was Rottweiler. Get out of here! <laughs> there it is. I thought I actually well, I went with my my number two. I kind of thought it might be too easy. Uh, my the first one I was gonna go with was ancient breed originated in the Roman Empire era. 
love that, but I might have guessed English Mastiff I would have, when I yeah, heard that. I would have guessed Should've some type of mollusk. Yeah. Oh. So, I mean, I guess I'd like to thank, I mean, my parents, obviously, <laughs> for raising me to be good at guessing dog breeds. Uh, I'd like to thank all the dogs out there that have listened to Bark that have prepared me for this moment. So it's feels good. All right. <laughs> let's move along. That's fantastic. Cue the music. All right. Are we going to do one, Walk one, on one more of these? Yeah. Okay. All right. Stop the trainer number two. Mm. Matt, I've had mine for like five minutes now, buddy. Come on. Step it up. So. I'm actually thinking about what that dog's thinking because he sounded questioning. He didn't feel like he'd committed to his bark. I agree. But I'm going lab. Labrador retriever. Yes, the E. Neither are correct. Not a German Shepherd. What did Nelson have? Yeah, German, German Shepherd. shepherd. Uh, okay. Not a German Shepherd, not a lab. Because uh, it wasn't an alarm bark, right? Right. It was like a questioning uh-huh. bark. Yeah. All okay. Right. What's our first, first clue? clue. Origin developed in Germany by a tax collector for protection. Oh, oh, got oh this it. This is why we need buzzers, man. Does spelling count? <laughs> no. Good. Okay. All right, show. Are we doing this at like one, two, three. That. What one. does Nelson say? Not that one. That one. <laughs> Doberman. Says. That's what I wrote. Yeah, you guys got it. I wasn't going to show it if I You guys knew that fact. I didn't know that fact. I was like, huh. You know, what's funny is I just heard that within the last couple weeks. Were we together, Nelson? Because I did you. I just heard that recently. Maybe one of my kids told me. I spelt that fact like at least 10 times a week. (laughs) (laughs) And you think about about Rome Rome every day, too. No, not. (laughs) I'm not that good. The Roman Empire. So was the tax collector's name. Doberman, yeah. Doberman, uh-huh. yeah. Okay, so I I heard that recently. Um, That's why those cool. shirts bother one. me, and and they bother me to no end. Where it's like, God wanted to make the perfect animal, and so He made a Doberman. Okay, but but no, no, Doberman made Doberman. Like God didn't make a Doberman. <laughs> God well, made, made wolf. God made Doberman. He made Mister Doberman. <laughs> I guess. I guess <laughs> so, that's fair. I've. I guess I've never seen those shirts, so oh. I haven't been able to be outraged by them. I'm like sure yours. I have talked Taylor's ear off at least ten times whenever I see that shirt. You know, the thing that annoys me is when I see the bumper sticker that says, my dog is smarter than your honor student, because and maybe I'm alienating a lot of people right now, but your dog is not smarter than my honor student. So I don't know if that's tongue-in-cheek and you're just saying your dog's clever, but uh, I think an honor student is smarter than every dog out there. No, no pushback from either of no, you guys. So no, just, I agree. You're just not. No. <laughs> I agree completely. So before we jump in, I don't know, you know, you listening if it's your first episode or not, but please take the time to rate the show. And, you know, if you haven't heard enough yet to rate it, you know, wait for the good stuff, the meat, and then, you know, rate it once you love it. If you're not loving it yet, don't put your rating up yet. But Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, whatever, give us some love. We would appreciate it. Yeah, it's only it. a matter of time. If you don't like it now, just listen more. You will. <laughs> exactly. I promise. Yeah. I promise. see what you did yeah. there. If you don't love it, don't rate it yet. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. Wait till you love us before you give us that five star. And if you never love us, uh, you're just dumb. 
So you'll just don't, never don't rate us. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So today's episode, we're going to talk about dog intros. And man, there's so many ways we could go on this because, you know, there's so many types of dog intros, right? Puppies, adults, aggressive dogs, friendly dogs. I think we just let just kind of let it roll, Nelson, and see where it goes organically. Mm-hmm. You know, dog intros, you know, I mean, there's so much. So I guess let's just pick some kind of some topics to start with. So like if you were to say, maybe we say you've got a dog who is just your average dog that isn't super aggressive, but you're not sure how to introduce them to a family member's dog, you know, who's coming to visit or whatever. How do we go about doing that? So do you want to, you want to start Nelson? You want me to? Uh, Yeah, no, I can start. So if I have, you know, like my own dog and I wanted to be friends with, family you know dog whatever either my parents dogs or a friend of the family's dogs whatever the first thing that i would do is i i see last last episode covey tricked me he, he's sneaky <laughs> and so what he did was well you should train your dog first <laughs> before we get to this topic train your dog so let's cover our bases Train your dog. Okay. Make sure it's not reactive. Make sure it's not dog aggressive. But then uh, <laughs> what I would do is go for a walk, right? You know, like really it's the easiest thing that you can do is meet up somewhere. Could be a park, could be at their house, and you just walk around the neighborhood. Go for a walk. Have your dog nice and calm around that dog, and it'll uh, make everything else that follows so much easier. Hundred percent, thousand percent, whatever, a million percent. I. I never do, I, I, I shouldn't say never, incredibly rarely do I start with off-leash dog intros. Because what's the point? You're just asking for more chance of someone getting hurt or scared or something bad happening. So we go for a walk for sure, every time. And there's, you know, unless both dogs are perfect and you don't want to take the time, but why not go for a walk? Walking's fun. Walking's good for, you know, the dogs physically, mentally, do some training, you know, use the heel command and it gives them time to do, you know, most fights happen for a couple reasons. One is excitement and the other is, you know, either, I mean, I guess lack of trust or resources, but excitement is a huge one. Most fights are going to happen from that and lack of trust could be another. And you address both of those by walking some first, because mm-hmm. you if you walk properly, you get rid of a lot of excitement. And you also start to build up some trust because they've been around each other for a while now, rather than just kind of thrown into the mix. Yeah. And there's something to uh, walking in the same direction, right? Just Mm -hmm. that really helps dogs build trust. So that's, that's definitely a major one, but kind of banking on what you said though, when would I ever not go for a walk? It's not that it never happens. It's just that it doesn't very often happen. Here's one for the trainers, right? How do you introduce a dog that is a board and train as opposed to, you know, like two people being there? Because at least when I introduce board and trains, I, I don't typically have another person there. Right. I have to do it on my own. And I've got two answers for you. One is, you know, if your dogs are well enough trained, mine will leave a new dog alone. Right. So I could put them in a stay or claim space and back them up. So if I'm introducing a dog to my two dogs by myself, I have that dog on leash and I go in the yard and I have my dogs out there and I tell them, stay away, you know, you know, get back, you know, get, and they know how to do that. And it's fine. And they do their own thing. They walk around, smell, I can heal that dog, walk with it, do some initial training. 
if your dogs aren't at that level where you can do that, there's some options. A cage can work uh, really well where you, or a fence. I love, you know, if the clients don't have enough control over their dogs using fences to help because it gives you some sort of barrier. And some of you are probably right now thinking, but fence fighting is a thing. <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't let them fence fight. Right. I'm not going to let them run up and down the fence and be crazy, but you could have, you know, two dogs free inside the fence and then you could be healing the other dog on the outside. And then when he's calm, let him go up to the fence and let him smell for a minute. And you can do the same thing in your living room with a crate. You could have, you know, a dog in a, you know, your own dog or whatever, a dog in the crate and you heal the other one around the, the room and then you walk him up and let him smell through the crate. So I love that, but which dog goes in the crate? Mm. I guess it depends on, on the dogs, right? So meaning is, are, are we worried any of these dogs are actually aggressive? Um, I don't know. So I guess my answer to that would be, I'm not going to take the chance. Right. And I'm going to put the dog that I know is more stable in the crate, which oftentimes is yeah. my own dogs. Right. You know, so mm-hmm. like I would have put Bryn in the crate in the crate and then worked with the other dog outside of the crate. Sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a, one that you have to answer on your own when you're doing this yourself is who do I trust more because mm-hmm. who do I trust more goes in the, in the crate so that I can take the time to calm the one that I don't trust down, you know, and get, get yeah. some work done. It's a good answer. And I, I would never put the fearful dog in the crate because you have no way to get rid of their fear and calm them down. If they're just hunkered down in the middle of one of the dogs is fearful. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But uh, so, I, I love that, right? Because that's how I used to do it too, was just claiming space, right? You know, backing my dogs off so that they would go and do their own thing while I get some training done. And it seemed to work really, really well, whether I had, a, you know, a more aggressive dog or less aggressive dog, because I would have the new dog on a leash. Mm-hmm. So I think the biggest thing is find a way to slow it down. That's what you're looking to do is slowing it down. It's not you let both dogs go. Now they race at each other. And then what happens? Maybe it's cool and everything's great. And maybe it's not. So you're looking for ways to slow it down. That's what healing does. The fence will do it. The crate will do it as well. Uh, And you make the decision based upon the dogs, right? If your dogs have met hundreds of dogs, you know, mine have, and they love new dogs and someone brings a dog over that is really, really friendly and meets new dogs all the time. We're going to do that intro much faster than if I'm at a client's house and they're like, I don't really know what he's like with new dogs. And this other dog, you know, she's okay, but she can be kind of standoffish. Well, then we, we take more precautions. So we've got a video on this subject, but let's say, you know, we get a question a lot, like how do you introduce a reactive dog to other dogs? And the first thing I say is get rid of the reactivity. If your dog is lunging for other dogs, you're not ready for an intro. So we have a video on our channel of this. And one of the first comments was like, Hey, that's great, but that dog's not reactive. Like, what do you do with a really reactive dog? And you know, our reply was, Hey, this dog is with us for reactivity, but we've solved the acting out first. If your dog is lunging for new dogs, you have no business trying to do an intro. That's you're not ready yet. You have to get rid of that where people struggle is when you get rid of dog reactivity, you get rid of lunging, you get rid of snarling and trying to attack, your dog is not all of a sudden now magically trustworthy to play with the dog. 
you've fixed some things, but you still have to be careful with your intros. That's where a lot of people struggle because it's like, well, now what? He doesn't try to attack dogs anymore, but how do I actually get him to, to meet that dog? Nelson, you want to weigh in on that scenario? So just for the, you know, the viewers or listeners, remember, we're fixing the trying to attack first. Nelson now has a dog in his hand in theory that is not trustworthy because he's mm -hmm. tried to attack a dog a thousand times in the past. But now he's pretty chill and he can walk by dogs. But how the heck do we do an intro? Yeah. Um, so one of the things is if I am very, very worried about this dog, you know, use muzzles. Uh, but the more important part is not necessarily to just throw a muzzle on and then have dogs come up. Uh, I would probably get the dog very comfortable wearing a muzzle first and just kind of eliminate that as a factor. But it, it buys you way more time to be able to actually let socializing and sniffing and, and all of that stuff happen. But uh, the big training factor of it, not not necessarily just what tools do we use, but the actual training of it is having that dog become comfortable with other dogs sniffing its butt. And um, we do kind of a, a follow the leader type of deal. Usually you're going to need more than one trainer, you know, somebody else, a, a handler, an, an owner, whoever can help you. And I want the calm dog or the more stable dog, again, the one, the one that we trust, I want that dog to sniff the more reactive dog and get the more reactive, unsure dog comfortable with the fact that it's going to be touched, sniffed, that it's going to have a dog around. And that's that's that takes a lot. You know, if it's a dog that's been reactive for a long time, you know, barking and snarling on every dog it sees, it's not just going to immediately, even once you crack the heel and everything is going perfect, and it's not going to immediately trust you and other dogs. So, you know, that will take a long time all on its own before it gets the chance to then do the same to the other dog, right? And get its chance to sniff and investigate. Yes, for sure. And I think we need to make sure we cover all three reasons a do dog's fight, you know, the main ones, which would be excitement, lack of trust, or resources, and talk about how we, you know, mitigate all of those. I would say, you know, healing at first is the excitement, then a little bit of the trust. The smelling uh, is the trust. So yeah. that's what we're working on there. So many fights happen there. And you're used to people will tell you like, let the dogs off leash because dogs, if there's tension on the leash, it'll create the fight. Well, teach your dog to not have tension on the leash, but also teach them about leash pressure. We talk about that in that video. If your dog is not, if they don't understand leash pressure and if they're going to attack when they feel leash pressure, well, that's a big issue. You've got to fix that. But that would also mean if you tried to grab their collar, they would attack, you know? So it, if they haven't learned to tolerate leash pressure, You've got some work to do before you should be doing intros. And we practice, you know, pulling a dog away gently by their collar. I want them to feel that pressure on their neck a little. And when I say pressure, watch the video. We're not talking like, you know, choking them. It's just gentle pressure. But I want them when they feel that to think like, oh, okay, he needs me. Right. And they turn around to pay attention to me, not I've got to attack now. Now's my only chance. You know, make sure leash pressure is a normal thing and they know how to turn it off. I mean, you know come to you, walk with you, and then it goes away. Yeah, and that's a big one that will catch a lot of people by surprise, right? Is, mm -hmm. oh, well, I we started to walk away, and then all, you know, all of a sudden he lunged for the other dog after they'd been sniffing for a while. I thought everything was going good, but that leash pressure can change everything. Uh, yeah. So, that yeah, that's a, that's a really, really good one. That's a big one. Now, what would you say to a client that tells you, oh, my dog can't meet dogs 
on a leash. And so why don't we just do every introduction off the leash when we know it'll go better? Like, doesn't that just make more sense? Why bother with all of this stuff that you're talking about when I could just take the leash off and my dog is perfect around mm-hmm. other dogs? So I've got two answers for that. One is they need to learn how to be good on leash because sometime a strange dog is going to run up to them. And if they haven't learned how to handle that, they're going to attack that strange dog. So that's one reason. Two is if we let these dogs go off leash and they start fighting, what do you think we're going to do? We're going to have to kick them to get them apart. You know, it's not super politically correct to say, but we're not going to be able to say, hey, guys, come on, knock it off, quit fighting. You know, if we let them fight, someone's going to get super, you know, seriously injured. And we're not going to go and try to grab them by the collar right by their mouth because they might spin around and grab your hand and put you in the hospital. We're going to have to use our feet to get them apart. It's not the most gentle thing in the world. It's not super fun. It's not. It's something we don't ever want to do. So my goal is to limit that. I don't want your dog to get hurt. And just for the record, I'm the most worried about them getting hurt from the other dog's teeth. When If we use our feet to get them apart, we're not like football kicking the dog. I'm putting my like foot kind of against their shoulder and shoving hard to send them kind of flying backwards. And then I, you know, get in between and back down both dogs, you know, verbally with, you know, intensity. Uh, But there's always an element of danger there. And why put your dog through that? So, and that'd be scary for the dog. He has a dog attack him or he attacks a dog. Now that dog's scared. And now a human is breaking them up. Why take the chance? And and why take the chance being probably the the proper answer right is yeah listen things can go wrong and mm-hmm. yeah that might work let's i'll give you benefit of the doubt and say that that works out 80 percent of the time 90 percent of the time but it only takes one time to really change a dog's life your life whatever the case may be yeah and uh it's just it's not worth it i would much rather teach a dog how to handle stress you know and and then be safer because of it for, for sure and for the record here if if i have a client who says hey i'm gonna do i've been doing dog intros off leash and it goes well every time and i've got my sister's dog coming over tomorrow and i'm gonna do it off leash i'll tell them my worries if i have them but i'm not gonna say like you can't do that right if they're like i've done it 20 times before i think it's gonna be good okay you know that's you make and i'll tell them how worried i am if their dog is super friendly and the sister's dog is Sounds like it's super friendly. I'm a lot less worried. If I'm extremely worried with that client, then I'm going to tell them that, right? Like, hey, you just rescued this dog. It's got some fighting breed mixes in it. You've It's introduced been introduced to one dog. I'm pretty worried about how this is going to go. I think you're insane if you do it off leash. And if they've got a golden and their neighbor's bringing over, you know, uh, you know a well-bred lab that's friendly, I'm obviously a lot less worried. Yeah, I think that that's a really, really good point. And my example and what i think of i'm thinking of you know one dog is very reactive yeah um either to people or to dogs right and sure they they want to take the leash off immediately because they've seen it go well before Mm -hmm. but think about it a lot of the times it goes well because that was the more dominant dog right and the other dogs were just like i don't want anything to do with this guy but you're going to come across the wrong dog and that won't be the case yep And so if I'm working with a client like that and I'm there, 
you know, I, I will say, no, you know, I, I won't be a part of that. Or, you know, I'm not putting this other dog at risk. Like, you know, you can do what you want. And I've never had a client fight me on that. Like, you know, maybe push back a little. And as they understand it, they're like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So we have a good conversation and it's not like I say, no, I won't do it. And I storm out of there. You know, I tell them my worries <laughs> and they're like, yeah, I get it. <laughs> let's, let's do it the right way. And then we do. And you realize the right way is fun. It's not like it's this horrible, terrible thing. Go for a walk together, do the follow the leader exercise like Nelson described. And we've got a video showing that exact mm -hmm. thing. And, you know, and you can see the follow the leader. Then at the end, we start letting them smell each other. Everything's great. And then we let them go and it's fine. So it's not a bad, terrible thing. It just takes a few more minutes. Yeah. Check the links uh, below and uh, we'll, we'll put that video down there so it's easy for you to find. So I mentioned earlier that, you know, the reasons a dog will fight. Another one is resources. When you're introducing dogs, put up the resources you know, put up their bones, put up their favorite toys, put up, I mean, most dogs aren't going to guard a tennis ball. Some will, but they're more likely to guard if they've got like an antler or any sort of like, you know, a bully stick or whatever. If your dog has things like that. And I guess I should say, I'm envisioning all of this in the yard. I, I don't like doing dog intros in the house. It's, I just don't like it at all. There's the couch. There's these like spots your dog goes to sit and space can be a resource. So if he's going to his dog bed or under a table, whatever, I like to avoid corners and hidden spots. So I'm picturing in the yard. So I'd clean up the yard, pick up anything that conceivably your dog or the other dog could guard. And they could also guard you, your resource sometimes as the owner. So if your dog, if you don't have full trust of them and they come up and they're sitting next to you, I'd casually walk away. I would not give them the ability to either claim you and kind of like tell the other dog, stay away. Or sometimes they're by you and they draw strength from you. So they don't like the other dog much, but they're kind of a coward. And then they get by you and the other dog comes up and they're like, hey, I'm with my owner now. Look how tough I am. And they, <laughs> and they lash out. And, you know, I call that kind of like the, the frat boy syndrome where you get one person at one guy on his own and like someone says something. He's like, OK, and walks the other way. But get him with six of his 20 year old buddies. And all of a sudden he's like, what'd you say? You know, and now he's like super tough. Right. Because yep. he's got his pack with him. Uh, same thing with dogs. So I, I would watch for that and I would just, just avoid it. Your dog comes and sits next to you like, Hey bud. And you walk off. No big deal, but you know, get them away from you to interact with that dog. I think that that's a really good one. The fact that you could be a resource and it's one of the things that, uh, if you don't know, act like you are right. I mean, better safe than sorry. So if it is a new dog and they, you don't know if they allow other dogs to be around you, then practice this stuff al already. Don't don't wait and find out. And then now that we have a problem, we have to fix it. But uh, just act like the problem already exists and head off any problems uh, early on. So we didn't talk much about the fence issue. So we've talked about friendly dogs. We take a lot less precautions. Reactive dogs, we take a lot more. You know, we could also talk about fearful dogs because sometimes you have a dog who's not reactive, but they just kind of went left alone. And, and, you know, they just don't trust the other dog a lot. They kind of want their own space. And that can be hard sometimes. So I'll sometimes use the fence for that, some sort of divider to let them build confidence and build trust. Any thoughts, Nelson, on, on that scenario? The, the kind of nervous dog who's not looking to attack? No. I do not actually. Um, and, and one of the reasons why is, you know, the, the fence is just never something that I've thought of using. I've thought of using a leash. Like I would just leash that more nervous dog up and then again, use, you know, claim space. 
because a lot of the times with nervous dogs, they have to draw that confidence from somewhere. And one is exposure. You know, there's no doubt about that. But two, being you. And so if you can advocate for them, you can oftentimes get them to feel more confident and, and more trusting. And they're more likely to go play with, you know, whatever dog it is that, that you're trying to introduce them. I've never used the fence, but if I had to think about it, that dog. And if you haven't, I wasn't meaning to pigeonhole you into the fence. I was just, that's what was in my brain. Just kind of fearful, nervous dogs in general. So if you've got another thing you want to, oh, well, I can t- yeah, tell me fence, about it. But so it doesn't work, you know, it's not always the right setup for it. But what I like is if you have the right setup, it allows the dogs to interact a little more where it's safer. I mean, the odds of someone getting hurt are almost zero. It's still possible if they get their nose to the fence and someone bites it. Like if it's a chain link, like it could happen, right? And I guess I should say I'm not picturing like a wooden stockade privacy fence because they can't see each <laughs> yeah, other. I'm sure. thinking like a lot of our clients have like those like aluminum wrought iron type fences where they're like the black bar vertical bars or chain link. And when I'm a nervous dog, a lot of times what I'll do is I'll put the excited dog behind the fence in the yard and they're probably going to be at the gate, right? Right where you are or the, the side of the fence, right where you are and because they, they want to come see this dog. And now the nervous dog, you can let walk up to it and it, you know, up to the fence and it smells the other dog and maybe everything's great, but maybe the other dog jumps into a play bow or barks at him, right? Because he's excited and the nervous dog's like, ah, and like jumps back. But then he realizes, oh, he's not getting me. And then he can walk up a little bit more and, and go and smell him. And so this doesn't work all the time. If you have two terrified dogs, well, they're just going to be, you know, 100 yards apart and never (laughs) come to the fence. But when you have like that happy-go-lucky lab and you're trying to introduce them to a new nervous dog, I've seen the nervous dog can build a lot of confidence. And then if we have the right setup, sometimes I'll put a long line on and let him drag that line on the outside of the fence and let the nervous dog kind of run back and forth and realize like, okay, I have some agency over myself, right? I can smell this dog and then I can get away. I have some sort of control and then we'll go back into the yard. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't always work. It obviously would work the best if you had two fenced in areas that adjoin each other, right? you know, because then you could let them both go and they could really run and start to build some confidence through the fence. But it's a tool that that can help. Yeah, it's a tool for sure. I mean, I could see that um, at a dog park, you know, kind Mm -hmm. of working well because all of those dogs are going to be super interested in you. And so, yeah. you know, they, they'll have the chance to go up or, or move away. So that's that's super interesting. Again, I, I'm what I kind of think of in, in those scenarios is being in a backyard and, you know, fenced in backyard and having two dogs, you know, on a long line and just more than anything, I'm just practicing calming the, the excitable lab. And, and, you know, it's an excitable lab, but it, it could be anything, right? I mean, Bryn was forceful when she played with anybody and so very very often i'd have to calm her down in the middle of play and then let her go back and play because she would get way more into whatever game than the more nervous dog would be and so yeah that's that's what i kind of generally go to right is just being able to back the dogs off or grab them heal them around calm them down and then let them back to go play I'm glad you mentioned that because going back to our reasons dogs fight, excitement's a big one. So very often people will let the dogs play, everything's cool, and then the excitement builds, 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 and then it explodes into a fight of some sort uh, because one went too far. And if you can't call your dogs off and calm them down, then you have no way to stop when they're building too much. Mm-hmm. So I always tell clients when they're playing, you have to see give and take. That If there's not give and take, you've got a problem. 
meaning one dog is on top and then he jumps off and the other dog gets on top and they're like reversing positions and being silly. If one dog is just pushing the whole time, that's a recipe for disaster. And we've got to call that dog off and get him to chill out and get back to the give and take as opposed to give, give, give. The dog who's taking constantly is eventually going to get mad. If they're pinned on their back for too long, they're going to get frustrated by it. Yeah, absolutely. And that's one of those that, um, you might not see if you're not looking for it, right? Because all you mm-hmm. see is two dogs are playing and having a good time, and then, boom, they're going crazy, running after each other. Yeah. I think, I mean, now we're getting into dog body language, right? And we've got an awesome video that's in editing right now, <laughs> Nelson, <laughs> um, that'll hopefully be done soon that just shows all kinds of dog body language that's going to be useful to people. What's hard about dog body language is every single thing they do in fight, they do in play. So meaning two dogs, they might freeze and stare at each other. And then all of a sudden, bam, they explode and they charge each other. They do that when they're attacking, but they also do it in play. So your dogs are running through the yard. They freeze, they look at each other and they charge each other and they jump and they smash into each other in the air. And it's a great time and they love it. Uh, I mean, showing teeth, lots of dogs show their teeth in play. It's just, they're excited. So, and some don't, but a lot do. I mean, pretty growling, of course, barking, everything. So it's really hard. One of the only signs that can't be mixed up is a play bow is always a play bow. When a dog stretches and goes into a play bow with their butt, chest down, butt up in the air, they never do that for a bad reason. So that's one of the few things you can look at and say, I know this is play for sure. There's no way I could misread this. A play bow is a play bow. But everything else could be play, could be fighting. You have to look at kind of the totality of the dog. Is their body language tight or is it loose? Is their mouth open or shut? Is it loose? Like what do their eyes look like? There's so much that goes into it. So you really should get an education on dog body language. It makes these intros go a lot better. Yeah, for sure. I agree. And, and again, it's, it's tough. Like we said in the first episode, you know, you have split seconds to read that language and do something about mm. it. Yeah. Well, why don't we talk for a second about breaking up dog fights? Because this is a controversial topic in the sense of, I just see so much bad advice about breaking up dog fights. And I hear it, and I'm like, well, it's clear you've never broken up a real dog fight, <laughs> if that's the advice. So let's let's jump into that a little bit. Do you want to start there, Nelson? Do you want me to? Sure. Um, if I am splitting up a dog fight, you don't have a lot of time to think through anything, but I am going to shove a dog off, assuming that one dog is not holding that dog. Um, mm-hmm. And the the reason being is I don't want to cause more damage, <laughs> right? Yep. And like I shove that dog off and, and then things start tearing and ripping. Um, and so if they're biting at each other and jumping up and, you know, all of that stuff, I'm definitely going to run in there and I'm going to shove off of one dog. I don't I don't necessarily care who it is, assuming that no one's being held. And then I'm going to kind of charge, I mean, to be honest with you, right? I'm going to get really, really big, really, really intense. I'm going to start yelling and charge after the other dog, creating space and, and get both dogs to kind of back off uh, so I can gain some control, leash up whoever it is that I have to leash up or you know, like pick up a dog if I have to pick up a dog, whatever it is. Um, but that is 
to me, that is the most reliable and smartest way to break up a dogfight as opposed to pour water on them, uh, shout really loud. Uh, to be honest with you, you're going to shout really loud no matter what. It's a, it's a scary scene. So, <laughs> you know, do it. What do I care? Yeah. Right? Like, it's going to happen yeah. anyways. Um, you hear some really weird stuff. And I, I'm not here to say it doesn't work. I'm here to say I've never tried it. <laughs> but, you know, like people will talk about putting a finger up the butt or, you know, whatever. Like, hey, man, if that's, yeah. if that's what comes to mind, go for it. So... Yeah, I mean, there's so many tricks, right? And if you have a bucket of water handy, yeah, give it a whirl, right? If you've got a, a five-gallon bucket of water, and the idea is you dump it over their heads, and I have seen that work before at a kennel, um, and, you know, the dog for a second can't breathe because I guess you're basically waterboarding them, right? And they can't breathe for a second, and it, you know, naturally makes them let go for a moment. But you know what happens when they let go? They You've got on. about a half second <laughs> to get them apart, and they're just going to go right back to it. So you still have to have what Nelson described, some way to gain control. Uh, yeah, I mean, you need you need to be you need to show power and show toughness. And I've heard people say like, you know, then the dog might attack you. Like, what are you going to do? Just walk away and let them fight? All right, you've got to do something. If you're in a situation, if your goal is to break it up, you've got to do something. And I absolutely use my foot to get them apart from each other. And I step right in between and I'm yelling and I'm backing. I pick the worst dog. So anytime I'm watching dogs play in my mind, back in my mind, I'm already thinking if there, like, if there was a fight, you already, you should know who the worst, like the aggressor might be. Right. Who I'm going at. And mm -hmm. yeah. And I'd be going after that dog because one dog might not want to go back for it. Right. He might be like, oh, thank goodness <laughs> you got him away from me. Right. And the one I worry about, I'm facing him and I'm staring at him and I'm yelling and I'm stern and I'm making mean eyes, right? Like big, wide, crazy eyes. And I'm advancing on him. I'm yelling, get back. And the idea is that if you're tougher physically and verbally, you don't have to be tough like with your actual body, right? That you can back the dog off and then get a leash on him. So if you have worries with dogs, you should always have a leash handy if they're in the yard. If you know, if I'm doing intros and like all this talk about fighting, like if you're a trainer and every time you do an intro, there's a fight, that's a problem. Right? <laughs> you're the problem. Like, <laughs> yeah, this isn't like a daily thing, but it happens, right? And I've been called into a lot of dog daycares that are having fights and they, they want our help on it. Uh, I have a leash with me. My leash is over my shoulder the entire time. And I have it so I can make it into a slip lead real quick, put one end through the, you know, the loop on the other and if you have to break up a fight and then I'm slip leading that dog, the more the aggressor, and I'm quickly spinning to see what's the other dog doing. Is he coming now to sneak in a bite or is he like, oh, good, I'm safe. But you, if you're not projecting strength and toughness, the fight's just going to continue. And Nelson mentioned this earlier. Muzzles can make a world of difference because you prevent a lot of the, uh, the risk of the dogs hurting each other. Breaking up a fight means many things have gone wrong. Yes. Because they're fighting, right? Yeah, so, and, you know, I've been at this for, you know, over 10 years now, and aggressive dogs are what I've spent the most time with, especially here at Suburban Canine. And I want, I like, maybe five fights, you know, maybe, and two that were probably, like, serious, you know, that, that dogs actually had to go to, to the hospital or something like that. Um, so, like, it doesn't happen very often if you take mm -hmm. all of the precautions right if you're doing your part yep. right you're gonna get by with maybe a crappy training session but definitely safe dogs yeah w w without a doubt and 
most of the fights I've broken up have been in dog daycares where they've got 50 dogs in there and something happened. So I've broken up hundreds of dog fights. And actually, I said that in a video once. It was a YouTube short. And people would comment like, where do you live? I don't want to move there. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I wish I had more time to clarify. These are not hundreds of dog fights (laughs) on my street walking. Uh, Most are in dog daycares. You know, I don't know how many I've had in clients' houses that I like that I would say I'm kind of, I don't want to say responsible for, but like that I'm involved in like where we're doing an intro Mm -hmm. and a fight happens. That's a small number. The vast majority have been in dog daycares. They've got 50 dogs. They go to bring a new dog through the gate. Someone's excited, and boom, you've got dogs fighting. And then, you're, you know, unfortunately, you have to react and yep. break it up and figure out and then train the daycare staff to not let that stuff happen anymore and identify why the fight happened and let's, let's fix it at its source rather than just break up fights. There's nothing worse than having to split up a fight with dogs that you don't know. And that mm-hmm. that really really sucks because you don't necessarily know which dog I need to manhandle. Uh, I, yep. I remember splitting up uh, two litter mate bullies, and it was the first house call. I I was there for like ten minutes. One bumped into the other. They immediately started fighting, and we're talking you know like ninety pound dogs, pure muscle, and I'm like. Obviously, I have to stop this fight, but I don't want to jump in here because mm-hmm. once they stop fighting, they don't know me, right? And like, It's not like they're going to finally recognize me and be like, oh, man, it's Nelson. I better back off or anything like that. That's when you start talking about that's a real risk of is that dog going to come at you right after it's mm-hmm. done coming at your brother? It's because they don't actually have any rapport with you whatsoever. And so, yeah, in that case, I had to... Um, unfortunately you know again they were pitbulls so you know one had a strong hold on the other one's face and i had to lift that dog up back legs up and i'm not the strongest guy in the world but try and lift those back legs as high as possible and then when he finally let go i had to like wheelbarrow him so he couldn't turn turn and come at me Mm -hmm. so that was a that was a thing but yeah, yeah that's the worst yeah, and I mean, if a if a pit or another dog that you know bites and holds latches on, you don't have many great options, right? One is if you have a brake stick, which most people don't walk around with a brake stick in their pocket, but it's flat. You put it in, and then you turn it, and it you know wedges the mouth open. But you probably don't have one of those, so that is kind of out. Uh, other than that, you know, another thing. I mean, some will choke, right? They'll you know mm-hmm. choke the dog with a leash until he has to let go because he can't breathe and. You know, when you hear this, you're like, wow, that's dark. You know, Matt and Nelson sound like psychos right now. If the dog is trying to kill the other dog, you've got to do what you can to get them off. But that should be, you know, for the average person, that's probably never going to come up. For a dog trainer, if you see a lot of aggression, sometimes it comes up like what what Nelson said, and there's nothing Nelson could have done to prevent it, right? You walk into a house, client's like, hey, I've got these two dogs that fight, and then the two dogs start fighting, and you're like, oh, man. (laughs) I've got to do something right now. So it, you know, it happens for sure. And there's, it's not pretty, but if you don't, if you've never thought about it, then you have almost no chance to break it up. So I would say, think about it ahead of time. You're behind the ball. If you've never thought about it. Yep. You know, before we move on, you know, Nelson said earlier about yelling, you're going to yell no matter what, for sure you are. And I've heard people say, don't yell. You'll make it worse. No, 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 no. You're not going to make it worse by yelling. If those dogs are fighting, they're fighting. Yeah, like your yelling can only help. Now, if you're on the sidelines 
shrieking, yes, that could add bad energy. If you stand back and you're like, ah, ah, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, and you're just screaming, yeah, that's probably not good, right? But if you come in with power and you're like, guys, no, loud, I'm trying not to blow out my mic here, but you know, stern, make yourself, I'm not a super tough guy, but I can pretend if I need to. <laughs> yes, but you know, the goal is that yell is meant to, some people use horns. Dog, a lot of dog daycares have moved to those like, oh yeah, um, sure air horns to break up dog mm-hmm. fights. And, you know, noise can help because it startles them. So I'm all for yelling, you know, that, but yell with intention. Your yell should be to break their focus, not because you're scared. Pet smarts have a little toolbox underneath that, <laughs> that have you know, like horns and slip leads to, to stop dog fights in, in case the cashier's right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a lot of this stuff just isn't talked about, which I think is, is not great for the average dog owner, right? Like the average dog owner has no idea PetSmart has those there, that dog daycares have horns, but dogs are animals, right? And enough dogs get together, eventually you're going to have a fight. Everything we do is to prevent that. And all these intros, we got off subject today, but you know, doing the intros <laughs> right. If I'm working with you and we're doing our intros right and I have control over both dogs training, the odds of a fight are absolute slim to none. Where it becomes harder is when I'm doing a house call with you and you're like, hey, my sister's bringing her dog over. Can we do an intro? And you see the other dog and it like pulls on leash. It's on a harness and it's lunging. And you're like, well, there's not a great way to do this today, right? We need to get that other dog under control first. When we have control over both dogs, the odds of a good intro are like 99.9%. Well, if you anyone has questions, you know, drop them in the comments because, I mean, we've talked about a lot of things, but by no means all. So if you've got a scenario where you're like, hey, can you expand? Maybe I misheard you, but I thought you said this or whatever. Ask or, you know, we'd love to answer. And it gives us good, you know, good content for our next video. So any questions, anything you want us to expand on, tell us. We would love to do that. Yeah, we'll start highlighting uh, some of the best comments that we get, you know, in future podcasts, right? If if we have a a lot coming through, that'll be a, a great subject to talk about, right? Which is things that you guys legitimately are asking. Mm-hmm. Yep. And with dog intros, if you if you love dogs, if you learn how to do an intro properly, you should almost never have fights. And if you and if you, and the off chance you do, have some sort of plan in place to you know keep everyone safe. All right, Alex, do we want to move on to sixty second solutions? Are we there? We're there. Uh, Covey, I believe you went first last time, so we'll start with uh, Nelson. Yeah, yes. Time. Yep. Yep. All right. Countdown timer is up and reset. Okay. I recall crushing these last time as well. <laughs> I recall you going over time and me stopping you. I recall you stopping me seconds early. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. We'll see. We'll see. Okay. Uh, Nelson, you have arrived at your house call and the client is complaining that their dog is peeing in the crate but nowhere else ready set go okay uh so peeing in the crate is one of the worst things ever that's a really really tough one i think what i would do is i would start with the potty log i'd want to know how often these dogs are peeing we know where it is but you know like how often is it happening is it happening in a consistent time of day 
because w- what I'd be going for, to be honest with you, like the crate, I use a lot for potty training. So when it, when you poison the well, it really sucks for me. But I would be walking like crazy, making sure that the dogs have peed and pooped and done absolutely everything that they've needed to do, and then expand my time in the crate with them not peeing. It's kind of like potty training, but in reverse, right? It's how long in the crate can you be without going to the bathroom? Um, but you also have to have it somewhere close enough that you can correct them if you see them actually doing it. You know, reach in there, give a tug, and then pull them outside. Good job. You didn't go over. Uh, I see you. I see how you're doing things. <laughs> Pretty good. Covey, do you have yeah, any? Yeah, uh, I like it. Well, I mean, it's I a mean, minute, there's only right? so much. Right. There's only so much you can say in a minute. Yeah. You know, something to throw out there for all the trainers out there listening is I'm a big believer that if you can't play this in your mind like a movie, you can't solve it. So Alex said the dog's in the crate and pees in the crate. What does that mean? We don't know. Like, is it in the crate like 12 hours a day, all day, every day? Is, you know, like I have so many questions and I want to be able to picture what this dog is going through, right? And no, does he go in the crate and he pees right away? Is he in there all day long? And then later on in the day, you know, he, you know, he pees. We have to be able to play it in our mind like a movie. Otherwise, we might be giving bad advice. So, and Nelson had hit on this, but we ask so many questions. We ask, 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 ask. We get answers, and then we figure out our plan from there because who knows what's going on? You know, they might be giving him a huge bowl of water and then putting him in the crate for eight hours, and all of a sudden he goes. So there's or the so little many hamster water bowls or water bottles. <laughs> yes. Water in uh-huh. the crate. With, yep. Yeah. Yep, and he could have a UTI, right? And we start looking into things like that. Does he ever dribble when he pees? Does he seem to have trouble finishing outside? And very often, it's, yeah, he does. All righty. Cool. Are you ready, Covey? Oh, yeah. Okay. Countdown timer. I'm going to drink some water. Okay, I'll wait for this. you. Mm. Don't wait. I, I Just need the go. pressure. Okay. Uh, you have walked into your house call, and the client is complaining that when their dog goes outside, it is running up to the fence, and it is barking and growling at the neighbor dog constantly. Ready, set, go. Okay. I don't like the word complaining, for the record, though, because we don't want it to sound like our clients are complainers. Oh, they're I'm just, sorry. You're fa- that's they're, fair. They want you to, they want me to fix this, complaint. right? Here, I'll yeah. reset so, your timer. because you t- No, I don't need oh, it. We're okay. good. Um, so. We need control, right? You, you, you don't do that. Don't open your door and let your dog run out there and, and charge the neighbor dog anymore. Teach the heel command. I'd go in the yard. I would train. The yard cannot be a place of freedom and wildness. It needs to be a place of control when needed. So I'd get out there and I would heal the dog in the yard. Nelson mentioned threshold earlier in the episode. I would be far enough away that I can control my dog until I can eventually get right next to the other the fence line and heal the dog perfectly up and down the fence line. And then I would give him a loose leash, let him smell the other dog some. When I like his behavior, I would drop the leash or leave a long line on and make sure I like the behavior when he's free. And then eventually I would stop doing that. But it might take you a week of every single time you take him out, you have to repeat and have him on leash at first when he first meets the dog. Otherwise, excitement Mm. takes over. (laughs) Very good. Set it up. So we didn't get time for that, but... For you know, for everyone listening, the biggest struggles I see with clients are when they can't set it up because they're like, "Well, I don't know when that neighbor dog's going to be out." You know, I have them call the neighbor right then, and if they don't know the neighbor's number, we walk over and knock on the door, and we're like, "Hey, 
I'm a dog trainer. I'm trying to fix this problem. Can you let your dog in the backyard so we can work with it? If you can't set it up, you're never going to fix it. Setting up is a fantastic point, but without taking uh, a million years, explain the concept of fruits of your labor. Because I, I feel like a lot of people will still fail, even though they get the opportunity to set it up. They almost set mm -hmm. up their own failure. Yeah. So I don't think we've touched on that phrase in this podcast. That's one of my favorite. Anytime it comes to aggression, but it can apply to other things as well. And it's just the hard work is calming your dog down. So if you take your dog out there and you heal and you do what I said, and you're going back and forth in the yard and finally you can heal past the other dog and you're like, Ooh, okay, I did it. And now you go inside. You might've spent 10 minutes with bad behavior and 10 seconds with good behavior. So if bad outweighs the good. You're probably never going to fix it at that route. What I want is good to outweigh the bad. So I'm going to stay in the yard and I'm going to work. I, I need to have good behavior outweigh the bad behavior. Once he's calm, now it's easy. Hang out with him. Let him be out in the yard. Do something. Do something fun. Let him smell that dog, play with a tennis ball, whatever. Just do something and make sure the good outweighs the bad. And sometimes it takes long sessions. If your dog is somewhat aggressive and it took you 30 minutes to calm them down before you could walk by the fence line, if you don't get 30 minutes of good behavior afterwards, you wasted a lot of time. You did all this hard work and you barely got to enjoy the fruits of your labor. So spend some time out there and really enjoy it. Yeah, and that's a, such a super, super important one, right? Because a, a mm -hmm. lot of people will go out there, correct, heal for like a second, and then run inside as quickly as possible, and they didn't actually fix anything. Yeah, absolutely. And it should be fun, right? You know, and if you just do the calming down, and then you stop, you missed all the fun and all the joy, right? The fun part is your dog gets to be off leash, and like, that's what you want, so practice that. Calm them down when they're off leash. Don't end it. Hang out. Enjoy. I mean, that's where all the joy and enjoyment comes from is your dog being able to run around his yard, having fun and being silly and being a dog. Absolutely. We're going to maybe have to have some ground rules on our 60 second solutions. Like, are we allowed to recap them afterwards or is it like 60 <laughs> seconds done? No, no more talking. <laughs> I, th I think we can recap. I mean, the it's yeah. fun to see what you I'm, can, what advice you can give in 60 seconds, yeah. but we also want to help people. For sure. I think that's the goal of the podcast. Yeah. Besides I'm glad Nelson sense. brought up fruits of the labor. That's a good thing for people to hear and think about because that applies to so many things yeah, and it makes so life much. so much more fun. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Well, everyone watching, if you have any comments, if you want to throw, you know, if you want your own 60 second solution to be featured, tell us and, you know, send us a, you know, drop a comment. Where you set up the scenario, not where you yes. solve it in 60 seconds. <laughs> That's our job. <laughs> Thank you for the clarification. If you have a scenario you want covered, yes, uh, drop a comment, let us know. Like we said at the start of this episode, give us a good rating. If you've made it this far, you must like us, right? You, you've listened to us talk we for an hour, so right. you must. We're pretty. Awesome. You must feel like there's good, or you're just like hatred is, you know, bubbling through the surface. And you're <laughs> They're like, just Man. taking notes to rip us apart in the comments. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. Which works. So, Please do so. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, and you know, pushback is fine, right? So if you have a comment, I love when people spark a conversation. So if you say, "Hey, you said this," and I think that's bad advice. Call us out and let's talk about it. You know, let's uh, get this stuff out there because that's what we're trying to do here is get this information in people's hands, help them with their dogs. And that is our job is to make people's lives better with their dogs. And you need info to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Well, thank you for listening, everybody. Have a great day and tune in next time. Thank you, everybody. Have a good one.